You are now listening to the Unstucked Podcast, where we teach you actionable steps to get unstuck in your life, career, finances, and business. Here's your host, Khalil Dumas. What's going on, Unstucked fam? If you're loving the podcast, be sure to visit unstuck.com for more resources, ways to work one-on-one with me and my company, Unstucked, as well as our free Unstucked guide to help you get unstuck in your career, life, finances, and business. I'm so happy you're here for the ride, and now on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Unstuck podcast. I'm your host, Khalil Dumas. Today, I'm joined by another one of my favorite content creators and influencers, Chase Coleman. Chase Coleman is a corporate tech professional who's passionate about helping other young professionals succeed in their careers. Chase is known on TikTok as The Corporate Chase, where he shares comedic sketches and informative videos about the work from home life, as well as career advice. Hey, Chase. Cleo, what's happening, my brother? Thank you for having me on, man. I'm, I'm so excited to be here. I've been wanting to have this conversation for a while, and I know that you're going to provide a ton of value for our listeners today. So just jumping straight into it, tell us a little bit about your story, about who you are and how you stumbled into content creation via TikTok. Yeah, totally. Thinking back a couple of years ago, I had my own podcast called The Millennial Way. And it really came about because I had started my first job at Starbucks, working at the Starbucks coffee company here in Seattle. I was like, I'm talking to these interns here and they don't know crap about like just the working world in general, you know, as I did not myself. Like I was like, you know, a month or two months into it. So I started a blog initially because I wanted to talk about like the things I had learned and how to kind of get into corporate America, at least from my perspective. And then blogging became too much. Writing became too much. I didn't have enough time working nine to five, also wanting to blog as much as I did. So that turned into a podcast. And I was having a lot of fun with it because I was interviewing a bunch of other like young professionals on how to get into their various jobs, whether they worked at the Googles of the world, the Amazons of the world, or like any other big kind of like corporate company within the US. I was having fun with it, but at the same time, like it wasn't really growing as much as I was at least hoping. You put a lot of work into it. There's a lot of like time, there's a lot of effort, there's, you know, scheduling and and scheduling conflicts, especially. I mean, we ran into one just this week, right? Like there's always going to be some type of conflict. And when you're doing it on your own, it becomes kind of daunting. And then you also take into matter like I was brand new to Seattle, didn't have any friends out here. So I was trying to get some friends, trying to grow my career as well, while also trying to help others. So I was like, crap, like this is just a lot of stuff. And then COVID comes, you know, I've been doing the podcast for about three years at that time. And I'm having a lot of fun. And now I have more time because I'm working from home. I'm figuring out the fact that like I had gotten on TikTok barely just because I was like finding some content that my friends were sending me that I found funny and that I could relate to. And then one day my roommate just started laughing and he was like, dude, you should just start like creating this TikTok stuff. He was like, I bet you grow on there really quickly. And I was like, nah, like TikTok's for the kids, man. You know, like I'm I'm 27, not a kid. Like this is for people who are, you know, younger than me. I it reminds me of Vine. Maybe I'm it's not for me. He's like, just give it a go. Just try it out for a little bit. So I got on the platform. I'm on there for a couple of weeks. And all of a sudden I, I run into like Laura Whaley and some other like bigger content, Rod, some bigger and some bigger content creators like that. And I'm following them and I'm like, this, this crap's pretty funny. Like, this is hilarious. But I'm like, I feel like I could put my own twist on it. And what I'm finding is that a lot of them are doing very similar content, but they're putting their own twist on it in a certain different way, whether it's like the text or the way that they kind of act within the sketch or however it may be coming across. So I took a stab at it. And I think it was like my second week I went viral for the first time. And 
became addicted after that. I've learned that TikTok is now kind of like my growth avenue, you know, like it's a place where I can learn and grow. And I've met a lot of cool people through TikTok. Like I've gotten to meet yourself. I've gotten to meet a lot of other content creators and influencers and just be able to have like real, you know, virtual face-to-face conversations that I feel like I'm talking to my best friends. So it's been a fun journey, but really started off with a blog and podcasting and took me all the way to end up ending up growing on social media. That's amazing. That's something I always talk about is just getting started. You know, people put so much emphasis on being perfect right out of the gate. And, you know, it's hilarious. And I want to kind of parlay into the next question, which I've been looking forward to kind of asking some more TikTok creators to kind of tell us about that first video. Tell us about that first experience. Like you told us what inspired you to start, right? It was a random conversation. Like what was making that first TikTok like? Awkward. (laughs) It was (laughs) awkward as hell. I didn't know what I was, I didn't know what to do. You know, I had been used to being in front of the camera. And frankly, I'd been used to being in front of the camera my entire life. I did commercials when I was younger. I played high-level sports my entire life, played Division One college football. So I was used to being in front of people. But doing it in front of a phone camera and doing it by yourself is so different. It's so different. I remember going through and looking for like inspiration from other people's pages. And I find it funny because I think we all have our own different ways of like organizing how we use like sounds and inspiration differently, but I send myself DMs. Like I just DM the video to myself and then we'll play off of it that way. I remember sending myself like four or five of them and then sitting down like right here, literally right here where I'm at and recording them. And I looked at myself and I was like, these are freaking terrible. These are awful. And I sent them to like five or six friends and they were like, dude, they're great. You should post them. And I was like, no, they're not. They're awful. Like I need to get rid of these. And then I ended up just posting them and Now, I guess I would consider them a flop, but I mean, they got like a couple hundred views, you know, and I was like excited to get like 99 on the first one and then like a hundred and something and then 400 something. So it was crazy. But the first like couple ones, like actually, I mean, my first month, it was awful. Like I go back and look at that content now and I just laugh because like the lighting was terrible. Like the whole thing was just like, I wish I could just throw it all out. Not really, but... Yeah, absolutely. No, I know I can totally empathize with what you're talking about here. And it's a very important point, right? And that's something that kind of extends even past content creation, just like anything you do in life, you don't know how other people are going to receive it. We have our own expectations. We have our own right goals that we want to achieve. But it's really interesting when you start to put things out into the public and watch how other people receive it. Because same thing, I had the same experience. I made this super long-winded video. I think I made my first three videos and first three popped off. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And, you know, over time, you know, the algorithm and likes to play games. It likes to, you know. Oh my God, it teases you. (laughs) It teases you all the time. But really, if you, and I feel this on you too, like there's a commitment to making videos no matter how many views it gets. You talk about how you kind of, what your motivation is, why you keep going, even if, right, you may not have the most views one week and then the next week you're viral. Like what kind of keeps you going? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's kind of two prongs because I think part of it is selfish and the other part of it's not selfish. Like you just said, I'll speak on the selfish part first because I think it's the easiest part is the fact that like once you get a taste of going viral, you want to go viral every day. It's an addicting feeling where it's like, wow, like it's it's validating almost. And sometimes like I, I go back and look at like my viral videos and I realize like some of them have more likes or less likes than the other ones or, you know, more shares or less shares or whatever it may be. And the thing about those videos too, though, is that like just as many people as like you have that like love the video or relate to you or love you you have like a few people that like are just as loud who hate you and they're trolls and they, you get that kind of like down feeling too on it. But my real motivation comes from like being able to relate to other people. This is something I've been wanting to do or attempting to do for the last five years. Like, it's funny when I talk to some new creators that get on the platform and they're like, 
well, how are you able to blow up overnight? I'm like, I did not blow up overnight. I only have, you know, 33,000 followers. To me, blowing up overnight is going from like zero to like 500K and literally a night, you know? But from my standpoint, like it was learning so much about like corporate America and about what the other struggles that people just like myself were going through, you know? And that took years of interviewing others who were also within the corporate environment, years of going to happy hours and just having conversations with people. I don't think at the age of 25 or 23, you know, being only two to three years into my career, I would have known nearly the amount of stuff that I know right now. So I would definitely say being able to relate to others. And, and I talk to a lot of my followers, frankly, like I don't even call them my followers or my, my community. Like I'm always in the DMs. Like if people are DMing me, like let's have a conversation, you know, I want to have conversations with people because I feel like that's what fuels me and that's what keeps me going. So I would say that's what really inspires me and keeps me going every morning to get up and go. I would there are weeks like this past week where I was just not creative. Like I had a lot of stuff going on at work, like my regular day job. And it took away from my mind space and my mind share for the re- remainder of the week. And I, you know, I felt bad. I was like, this Saturday, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to, you know, speak to you, Khalil, and then I'm going to get to work. I got to put together some new sketches for next week and some new videos that I want to put out for some people because it's just fun, you know, and it's all just fun and games. And I feel like I had to kind of get over that hump of like, learning that there's going to be the, the haters and the trolls and the people that kind of come along with just the internet. And then realizing that like, those aren't, aren't the people that matter. The people that matter are the people who, you know, are consistently engaging with my content and my videos and who want to have conversations with me because that's, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. I don't want to be rich and famous. I want to help other people, you know, achieve whatever they can. And if making somebody laugh for five to 10 seconds uh, makes somebody's day, then I will take that as a big win all day. Absolutely. You're one of the folks that I always look for every day just to take a look at what you're doing because you it's either, you know, you're making me laugh or you're giving me something to really think about. And I really like that. And I couldn't have summed it up better myself in terms of kind of like the motivation side. You know, I always call kind of podcasting and TikTok, I call that like fancy networking is what I call it. But on top of that, it's like, you never know who your video is going to help. Like I get DMs, I get comments, I have videos that maybe get 20 likes and someone will DM me though and be like, hey, you know, I'm really thankful that I have this content or I even have older folks DM and say, you know, I wish I had this content and I'm sending this to my daughter or my son. And I'm like, wow, like people really are resonating with it. And it's something that I will always do. I told myself I have a two to three year time horizon just to continually do this and kind of see where it takes me. And you also said something that was spot on, which is the ability to kind of get with like-minded folks. I've met so many fantastic people, including yourself, Corporate Quitter, uh, Manifesting with Brit. You know, I've met some really, really cool folks that have just really peeled the veil of ambiguity off of this content curation and kind of said, hey, we're in the same boat together. We have a lot of the same struggles together, but we also have a lot of the same hopes and dreams. And so working more as a unit, or I call it like a micro unit even, has been really, really powerful. I agree. One of your videos, I mean, we I talked about this with you in, in the DMs. Like, I was going through like mad imposter syndrome like last week. Like, it was bad. And what's crazy is that when I look back on just the two weeks, like, I go through that last week, and then this week I have one of my best weeks that I've had, like, in my job. And I'm like, how freaking crazy is it that it flips on its head so quickly? But you reached out to me, and then I was like, let me go back through some of Khalil's like videos because, like, I know that there's a lot of things that you have on there that have helped me personally before we we had even connected. And I went back and watched that imposter syndrome video. And I probably watched it like eight or nine times throughout the course of like just two hours. It just helped remind me like, relax. And sometimes all you need is that like reminder. And there's just something about like, I don't know if it's TikTok or if, it, if we want to just call it like social media, but just being able to relate to people 
in a short form way where like, cause like our attention spans are so short and like I played football, man, my attention span is probably even shorter than like the average human, like taking so many damn hits to the head. But like point being is that, you know, being able to go back and reference things like that, I think are what's amazing about the internet and the power of the internet. And you'd said something so awesome about like, just like the microcosms of like community. Right. And I think it's, amazing that we're able to connect with people who are like-minded, who are interested in the same things, but are also a part of other communities too, you know, and you could have conversations with them about very similar things, but then all of a sudden you realize like, I like coffee, you like tea. And now we're having a conversation about like why you like tea versus I like coffee. I feel like I just learn and grow so much through these different communities. And it's, my parents are a little bit older and I'm kind of going on a tangent, but like, I feel like they kind of feel like we're like, siloing ourselves where they're like, oh, well, you're only talking to corporate professionals. And I'm like, but there's so many, we're not only corporate professionals. Like there's so much more about us than just our day jobs. Absolutely. And that's key. And you said two great things. And I want to kind of piggyback on what you just said, which is huge and something that actually has become a very common strand in everyone I've interviewed who's chosen TikTok as a marketing medium is the older generation just doesn't really understand it well. And it kind of also talks to a lot of folks who are kind of afraid to do TikTok because they have a nine to five job. But to your point, right, it's so much more. And I've taken me years to kind of realize this because when you're first getting started, If you're on Instagram all the time, if you're on social media all the time, you're constantly looking at people who are at the end of their journey. And the whole reason I created Unstucked was to show people what this beginning kind of weird middle ground is like. And what I've learned is it's not actually as scary as I thought it would be. It's actually really, really awesome. And I get a lot of joy in it. And it now makes a lot of sense when really successful people, when they give interviews, they're like, man, I really miss the start. I really miss the figuring it out piece of it. And a lot of that, when you're starting to figure it out, you have a lot of impossible syndrome. And that's something that tends to show up no matter how old you are. I mean, my mom listens to all my uh, podcasts. She's my biggest fan. And she constantly talks about that as a piece that is something in my content that she really enjoys. Um, And it's something that I still struggle with. But to your point, it's so easy to kind of get over once you've realized everyone's going through it, right? Everyone has it to a degree. And so you said it fantastic. Just relax. Thank you. I mean, that's, that's all I say to myself. And, And it's always easier said than done, right? Like, I tell myself all the time, just freaking chill, like just relax, man. But it's hard. It, it's so hard to just relax. It's so hard to just chill. But it's funny too, when I was coming into this job, I thought everyone told me I was going to get imposter syndrome by about month three. And I was like, nah, I'm going to be fine. I've gone through it. I've gone through it multiple times. I'm not going to go through it again. It hit me like a train. It hit me harder than it's ever hit me before. And I was, <laughs> and I look back on that and I'm like, I thought this wasn't going to hit me that hard. And it hit me 10 times harder. Like I can never second guess or ever doubt that these things are never going to happen again. So it's so true. And that's something I always tell, you know, even my mentees and whatnot is like, once you do something new and you expand out of your comfort zone, your ego now has evidence against you to use that against you. And you have to really know that sometimes even encourage people to name their imposter syndromes. I, I encourage them to really bring a lot of awareness to it because all you really have to do is ground yourself and just start and just go for it, right? Because imposter syndrome really is just us trying to calculate the future, which you'll drive yourself crazy every single time you do that. And also not reminding yourself that you're proven already. You have nothing to prove. You're already proven by just existing. They've already given you the opportunity. They've already seen the qualities that they want to see in a candidate. So just kind of relaxing into that is key. 
And I wanted to kind of parlay into balancing your nine to five with content creation, because I know that when I first started, I had a lot of worry about it, just about how it'd be received and whatnot. But now it's become such an asset. Like my current role today, I'm a director of customer experience, and I'm also responsible for marketing. They see it as a huge benefit. And past jobs, I had no employers and managers of mine that would have found that as something as to be fired about. So tell me kind of how you've balanced that. Has it been working well? Kind of what's been your experience? Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I talked about my parents and I would say that the beginning when I first started, they were probably the first, you know, I wouldn't say critics, but they were the first ones to say like, don't do anything that's going to get you fired. You know, don't do anything that's going to get you fired, Chase. I'm not going to mom, right? I promise. I promise. I promise. You know, do whatever I can to make sure that I could do what I wanted. But working in these bigger places, I started at Starbucks and then I went over to Nestle and I've worked at Nordstrom too. And then I work in tech now. Those Three companies are all relatively old school in terms of like they have older executive groups, the dress and just the way that it is like it's very much like more corporate than anything else, I would say. And I was nervous. I was real nervous. I wasn't that nervous with the podcast because I knew that my podcast was not in any way, shape or form doing anything that was bad against work. Right. I'm helping other young college students and young professionals get jobs. Like if y'all fire me about that, then we have a different conversation to be had. And like that actually, I'm going to be calling Forbes because y'all are the ones who are going to be looking really bad because of this, right? Not really. I, I would never go that far. Maybe. <laughs> but <laughs> maybe. But when I started getting into TikTok, that's when I started getting a little nervous because now I'm talking about satire and now we're doing comedic sketches. The waters are a little bit more muddy. And I was at Nestle at the time when I first started it. And a lot of my colleagues ended up finding me because they did follow my podcast. And they laughed at it. They thought it was hilarious. I had directors reaching out saying like, this is hilarious, Chase. Like VPs being like, I didn't know you were so damn funny. And it ended up turning into like a really cool thing for me where I got to host like our national like sales summit at Nestle. I got to run like different like sessions during our sales summit. So like I'm standing up on a stage in front of, you know, 500 plus people now presenting and hosting things because of what they had seen that I had done through social media. And they had also known that like, I just like being on stage in general anyways. You know, I was always the first person to raise my hand. I worked on the Starbucks brand while I was at Nestle. So like we did coffee tastings and I would always be like, I'll do the coffee tasting. Like y'all need someone to run it for the executive leadership team. I'll do it. I I love being in front of people. I love being on stage and doing things like that. So once they saw what I was doing online, they were like, you could do this. And it was nice, but also like I saw how much they pay like normal hosts for these events. And I didn't get any of that. You know, I got like, a pat on the back and it was like, hey, thank you so much. And it's different because if they would have saw me doing you know, what I'm doing online and would have liked me for that, they would have paid me probably as much as they would have paid that host from Food Network that they had come hosted two years ago. But since I work for them, you know, nine to five and I'm on a salary, they're like, you'll just come do this for free and it's an add-on for your job. So it's been fun. I haven't had any issues with it at work, frankly. Some of my colleagues at my new company have found me too. I think they all realize that they're all jokes. And the cool thing about it is like most people who are, you know, like 55 plus aren't on TikTok anyways. They're not even on Instagram. They're usually just on Facebook if they are on social media. And a lot of them are too busy to be scrolling through social media anyway. So I don't think that they're even going to be finding my stuff. It's more middle to senior management that'll find my stuff. And if they do, a lot of them end up hitting me up. Like I've had a woman from um, a big tech company out here in Seattle hit me up and she was like, hey, if you're ever looking for a position, like I work in marketing at... I would love to have you on my team. Like you're creative, you're smart, like you're strategic. I could tell what you're doing. Like, and it's interesting the opportunities that have come up from it. 
Absolutely. And I've had the same exact experience. I worked at a tech company, actually recently just left tech for healthcare, which has been quite the experience in marketing for healthcare, right? Being like HIPAA compliant, all that good stuff. But taking a step back to tech, you know, I did a commercial for a tech company and I did, to your point, didn't get paid for it. And it was really interesting because initially they had me make a TikTok, they had me make a commercial. And after the fact, they had to get permission to kind of put ad dollars behind it and make it more of like a global ad. And that's when I was able to say, hey, you have to pay me this if you're going to take this way and you have to hire me outside. And they went for it. That was something that was like really shocking and surprising. It wasn't nearly as much as I wanted. And they definitely were able to bargain me down because to your point, like they're already paying me. But that's something that's key. And I, you know, that's what's something I wish I would have been prepared to have had that conversation. But to your point, sometimes you're just excited and need that opportunity because I still sell that commercial. I still show people that output, right? I still show prospective clients that. So to anyone who's had that same experience, like it's your experience isn't lost, right? Because you didn't get paid, you have something in your portfolio and you have something to continually market. You're exactly right. And that's all I've done, right? Like, uh, yeah, I'm pissed sometimes that I didn't get paid, right? Like, I'm like, I would, my bank account would love it. I would love it. Like, all my bills would love it too. But at the same time, to your point, I got that experience and now I'm able to put it into a portfolio because I'm using TikTok as a platform to take me where I want to go for the rest of my career. These experiences that I've gotten with Nestle and being able to go speak at like colleges and universities, that's what I want to do. So take that, even though I didn't get paid, it's okay. I get paid a lot more in the future by using these experiences and kind of taking that and running with it. So there's always some positive that comes out of it. At least I like to think so. Well, I kick myself. I didn't ask the corporate chase some of these more nuanced questions and big things that are kind of going on right now, like the great resignation. This is something that I'm bringing up to a lot of my guests, but you know, what makes corporate culture toxic today? Are there any positives from your perspective? You've kind of given a little bit of, you know, some, you know, really trying to blend your two passions together, but what makes corporate culture toxic? I think one word that kind of sticks out to me right now that makes corporate culture toxic is control. Control, this feeling of control that I think that these companies want to have. And it's a very old school way of thinking because you think about millennials, millennials, Gen Z particularly, freedom is the number one thing that everybody wants, right? I think at the basic principle. And now we're seeing COVID taught us that the rules of going into the office from eight to five or eight to six or nine to five or whatever it is does not matter. It doesn't work anymore. It's no longer efficient. It, it literally proved it in front of our eyes. And that was something that a lot of millennials had been talking about, but needed to see for it to be proven. Right. And I think the fact that these companies, you know, they have these leases that they're paying for and stuff of that sort, but they want control over their people. They want to control where you're living. They want to control, you know, your taxes. They want, like, they want to control how many days you're going into the office and things of that sort. That makes it toxic because you're now no longer allowing people to work how they want to in the most comfortable way for them to perform at their highest ability. You know, I think about it in, I played football. So I was thinking about it in, in the light of like athletes. I had a coach in high school. I played in four straight state championships. We won two of them. We lost two of them. And I think about like those teams. And the best thing about the teams were, I played behind a McDonald's All-American. This guy could have averaged 40 points a game if he wanted to. But we lived and died by this quote. And it was amazing what a team could accomplish when no one cares who gets the credit. And I think when you have a, a leader who is a strong leader, someone who will fight for your people, and then you have a team that really, truly just does not give it two shits about their own performance because they know that they're all going to perform, but we're all going to perform and we're all going to go get our bonus or we're all going to go get our commission or our quotas or whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. I think that's what makes teams strong and that's what essentially makes corporate culture not toxic. What I found in my career is that people 
who are always like on that edge to try to get promoted, like the people who are always like on push to try to get promoted, it's always about making themselves look good. And it's no longer about what the team could accomplish. It's about what they can accomplish. Those are the people who end up not typically getting promoted as quickly as they want to. When you work on high-performing teams and you are a high performer, everybody flourishes. So the victor goes all the bears is what one of my coaches used to say. You come in first, you get to be in the news, you get to go on the radio, you get a ring, you get all these things. You come in second, you get nothing. You get forgotten, right? Same with like the Super Bowl, for example. There's, uh, there's so many analogies that I could put to it. But I think when it comes down to like the toxic aspect of corporate culture, I think companies that have that try to have more control end up losing more people, especially nowadays. Companies that allow you to kind of work from your own like realm of comfort, but also giving you the discipline or I would say like the structure of like, hey, we need this done by Thursday or we need this done by Friday or, you know, like, but continuing to hold you accountable for it. I think that's what makes people learn, develop, grow, and also feel empowered in the workplace. So as long as a company tries to have control, I'll, I'll never go there. Like that's the worst thing that I think any company could do right now. It's so true. Like, you know, I, I really got my it wasn't my first job, but it's really where I took off was working for the solution. They're a marketing machine, right? And everyone knows about the solution. That was one of my biggest issues working there was the amount of gatekeeping that was going on and the amount of just toxic culture that was allowed to fester unchecked with no accountability, right? And juxtapose that to my last two employers and even my current one who are just fantastic. They have that balance. There's accountability. You know, they really stay toe in step with my needs because they know that if my needs are met, right, it's only going to benefit the company. And I think a lot of those forward-thinking companies today are starting to really learn that and understand that. That gatekeeping portion is with a lot of my clients that I work with, they bring that up a ton. Like, oh, I'm waiting out this person. This person is the reason why I hate my job. This person is the reason why I wake up and I don't want to get out of bed. And I always challenge them on that. I'm like, why are you letting that one person get in your way? Why are you letting this one company get in your way? There's so many other opportunities out there. And so talk a little bit about how like you deal with those coworkers, those folks, right? That may not like you, that may make, try to make your life harder because they want that promotion. Like, how do you deal with that? Yeah, that's a really good question because I've actually been going through this very recently. When I first joined corporate America, I wanted to be liked by everybody. You know, first and foremost, Khalil, like we look different than everybody else in corporate, right? Like that is just a, a fact. There's very few people in every work environment I've been in that look like me, skin color wise or anything of that sort. And I wanted to be liked. I wanted to come in and people to like me. I didn't want people to think any differently of me. I wanted people to respect me and respect my work. It definitely didn't do me any justice in terms of like setting boundaries with work because I worked with this one woman it's probably like a couple of years ago. And I worked with her for a couple of years and I enjoyed working with her, but I also was kind of frustrated because she had boundaries. Like this woman did not work past 445 because she had to go pick up her kids from school and she wanted to make sure that she was there for practice and all these things. And then she would log back on, you know, at 738 o'clock. But for me, I was like, that's not my time. Like I'm not going to be on at 738. Like I'll work till seven and then go have the rest of my evening. But she set boundaries and she was accountable and she held herself accountable and she was so reliable to the point I looked at her and I was like, I don't care if I like her or not. I could trust Ellen. I could work with Ellen. I can go to any company and either work with her, for her, or have her work for me and know that no matter what happens, she's going to get her shit done, but she's also going to leave at 445, right? But it taught me so much. And, and it, what I would say is like, it taught me to have those boundaries and like, Right now, I could care less, honestly, if I ruffle feathers at work because I'm comfortable enough in my skin now where I'm like, I do good work. 
I'm going to perform. I'm going to put the due diligence in for the work. I also know that if you and I want to go out and grab a beer, a glass of wine, appetizers, a dinner, a coffee, we could go do that and go have a good time. But right now, I don't have time to waste. I don't. And with how big content creation has become as a part of my life, now I'm like, I don't have time to waste. Let's get this crap done now. you know. And I try to keep it in that light with a lot of people. And when I'm working with coworkers that I don't necessarily like, I always try to keep it about the work. I do try to connect with them in some way, shape, or form. How's the weather? You know, what are you eating for lunch today? Like, what did you do over the weekend? How are the kids? How's the dog? Like, I try to connect with them in some way, shape, or form because we have to work together. Like, nobody wants to work with somebody that they hate, right? Like you, like you were saying, like, I hate my job because of this one person. Well, let's, if I'm that one person that you hate, then like, personally, I think there's probably something that's like that else is going on because like, I don't know how I could be pissing off that many people or piss off somebody that badly. But, if you do, then it's like, how can we at least like be cordial with each other to work? Because I've had plenty of teammates that I've hated that I wanted nothing to do with. But if the team wanted to win, we had to work together and we had to play together. And frankly, we had to put all of our hatred aside for each other and, and act like we were brothers. So how can I do that in the workplace? And I try to do that all the time by bridging gaps and trying to be relatable with people and saying, yeah, you know, like this weekend I went to a winery and I slipped and fell and I, you know, my, my tailbone hurts. Like I embarrass myself more than anybody else. So like that helps. For me, but yeah, I would say like at this point in time in my career, I don't care if I ruffle feathers because I know like as long as I'm helping out other people and as long as I'm helping myself be more efficient and be effective, hate me, hate me, but we're going to do good work and we're going to deliver and then we'll just keep moving forward. And in my opinion, it's always more fun when you celebrate with a bigger bonus than a less of a bonus because we had more fun during the process. Absolutely. And that was, that was king. And the biggest thing that I circled there was, you know, setting boundaries and, you know, to that client that tells me, right, that this one person is causing me this pain or this one company, I always tell them, right, not everyone's going to want to hold your pain. Not everyone's going to want to praise you. So set boundaries, stop setting yourself up for failure there, right? Stop going to those people for the affirmation that you're looking for. Go to yourself instead. Let's focus on why you're not giving yourself that praise. Let's focus on that. Like I always tell people to turn inward and it's so funny, the light switch that I always watch turn on and they're like, oh my God, I got so myopic and focusing on this one person that I stopped focusing on what I needed and what I wanted. And so you said something king there, which was, you know, setting boundaries. And I wouldn't be on brand here if I didn't ask this. So, you know, when you're feeling stuck, you know, for you personally, like balancing the nine to five, just God, living in the world we live in today with everything that's going on, like when you're stuck, like how do you get yourself going again? Um, a good cry usually helps. Seriously. Seriously, a good cry. I mean, crying, like I say that in, in a light, lightful manner because I don't know when it's coming, right? Like there's days where all of a sudden, like it just feels like it's so heavy where everything's just like... Poof, and the worst thing that I've ever done in my life is like bottle all that up and try to get through that and just think that I'm fine. You know, like recognizing that the world is heavy, that there's a lot of stuff going. I mean, there's Russia, Ukraine, like our world economy, the, there's like you just said, there's so many things going on, including what we do daily, like all of us, like our own daily lives. Daily life is stressful. Sometimes I'll go into I, like I like to find a nice, like kind of cold place that's a little bit darker cry it out for 10, 15 minutes. And then I pop back up. I do some breathing exercises and I just kind of look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, I'm alive. I'm standing on two feet, you know, like things are going to keep going. And, and at the end of the day, like I know that the world is going to keep moving forward. What does forward mean? Not really sure. Now that's when it gets really, really bad. On weeks, like I was telling you about this two weeks ago where I was very like down on myself. I had imposter syndrome. I was just not feeling great. And, and I, I honestly wasn't feeling too great this week too, because like 
for me, feeling great means I'm doing well at work and also like kicking ass in content creation. And kicking ass in content creation doesn't necessarily mean like views and, you know, going viral and stuff like that, but just doing what I wanted to, being as creative as I wanted to. When I feel stuck, like I usually go for a long walk. Like now that I have a puppy, like we'll go for a walk and I'll go take him to the dog park and we'll just go throw the ball because it's fun. You know, like I, I don't, I find myself giggling and cackling more than I ever had before with, with a 17 week old puppy than I had before. Go walk him, get a little bit exercising, get the blood pumping for sure. I am a physical guy. I played football. Like I can't say that enough times because I like to punch things and, and not people, but anymore. Like I, I used to like to hit people, you know, that was what, what I got paid to do essentially. But um, I go to the boxing gym and I will go he- heavy bag and hit some mitts and I will just get all of that out because to me, it's just releasing and it's not even releasing like anger or aggression, but like, it's just that feeling of like, honestly, like, I, I guess it sounds bad, but like punching something, like it, it sounds really bad, but it, it does release. So getting the blood flowing, doing that. And then also like, I like to listen to like a funny podcast or something like that. The Shit You Should Know podcast, I think is really funny. Like just like random stuff, you know, because like it's stuff that I could listen to and also kind of do like anything with, you know, I could just scroll TikTok and listen to it. I can, you know, watch a basketball game and listen to it. And then I I try to get one or two tasks done around the house, whether that's doing laundry, doing the dishes or something like that. Because typically when I'm feeling stuck, it's because I have like other things that are going on in my life that like, I just can't even feel like I'm getting done. You know, like my room is a mess and my bed, I haven't made in two days. And well, not that, but like my laundry I haven't done, you know, or the dishes. And, and then all of a sudden it just piles up and it's like, let me just get a couple things out the way. Let me get a couple things done. And then from there, I'll at least feel better tomorrow when I wake up. So that way I know laundry's good. You know, I got clean underwear to wear for the next week. Yeah. And I absolutely love that. And I didn't mean to cackle at the crying part, but it was actually kind of surprised me a little bit because of all the people I've asked that question to, you're the first person that actually mentioned that release and it's key. And what is crying, taking your puppy out, listening to funny podcasts, cleaning all have in common. It's something I always preach, which is coming back to the present moment, because usually when we feel stuck, we're trying to write this script or we're trying to write this elegant thing that we need to be doing when in actuality, all we need to be doing is just living and, and being in the present moment. And so that's king. And that's something that, you know, that's kind of why I created this whole platform is just to remind people of that because today it's everything's so noisy. There's so many distractions out there. So I really appreciate you like just sharing that unfiltered because I think that, you know, a lot of people don't like, they think like, oh, I'm not going to go cry. I'm not going to go like cleaning my house. That sounds awful. Right. But all those things go find what you like to do in the present moment. You know, like for myself, it's, I know that I one need to get more sleep. So that night I will get more sleep. I'll make sure I'm hydrated. I have a puppy just like you going and tossing that ball is one of my favorite things to do just because you see how present your puppy is, like how happy they are. Like even just getting ready to walk out, I'm just like, wow, look at you. Like she's been waiting for this all day long. And like, I'm over here looking at this abyss, right? And she's just over here on the stairs, like a good little girl, like, let's go play with the ball. Like I totally, totally feel that. And I hope that, you know, anyone listening to this, who's feeling stuck or just really like being hard on themselves. It's, it's you a lot of the time creating that feeling. And so if you can just for, and I would say for two minutes, like go do something that brings you to the present and something that you enjoy, you'd be shocked at how fast that feeling goes away. I agree. Can I say one thing to that, Khalil? Because you, you mentioned like that feeling is you and it is. And that's the most frustrating thing for myself. Like my older sister, I have an older sister who's 10 years older than me. Her release is screaming. Like she needs to, she's like, ah, like, like physically screaming. And I feel that because when I get stuck, like, and I'm looking at myself, like I look at myself in the mirror a lot, like during that time. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you, Chase? Like I'm talking to myself, like I'm in the third person, you know? And it's like, I'm going back and forth. 
And the biggest thing that drives me into this kind of like spiral is that I can't realize or figure out what is wrong with myself. I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I putting so much pressure on myself? Why do I feel this way? Then when I finally take myself to going out for that walk or just getting some fresh air or getting my blood flowing or, you know, I like to listen to Drake too. Like I'll turn on a Drake song and like I will, you know, act like I'm him. Yeah. Even shout, though I, I shout out, shout out to Yeet and Drake because I'm the same way. Uh, but I do not sound like him. You know what I'm saying? But like, I feel bad for the people out on the side of the street because they have to hear me belching him like to the nth degree. But long story short, like it definitely is you. And I've, I hope that anybody that's listening to this too realizes like you're your biggest critic all the time. And like someone said this to me last week, like don't lower your expectations on yourself, but like be more patient with yourself. Elongate your expectations. Like you don't have to become the president of the United States by tomorrow, but you can become it over you know the course of time. And the biggest thing is like being patient with yourself. And when you realize that you can, you grow in, in, in a, such a beautiful way when you're a lot more patient with yourself and, and it's a lot more fun to kind of look back and reflect. Absolutely. And I have that same feeling even with just like TikTok. Like I started on TikTok about six months ago and I have those moments a lot where I'm like, well, I have a bad view week or I'm not as creative. I get super hard on myself and it's just crazy. Like my friends and stuff will always remind me like, you're only six months into this, bro. Like, and you're comparing yourself. That's a big thing too. Like comparisons is detrimental in that space. But I, I love, I think this is going to be super, super valuable to people, you know, when they're feeling stuck. So you go from feeling stuck, right? You go and you do that thing that you enjoy that brings you back to the present moment. And then it's time to kind of make those decisions again the next day, the next week, the next month. So like, how do you stay motivated and also creative? Because we're constantly exhausting those two resources because we're kind of doing two things at once. So do you have anything like that you find that really works well for you? Yeah, I would say one, like one of my best friends told me this when he was going through school to get his MBA was be nice to yourself. Yeah, like we were just saying, like there are those weeks where you, you don't feel creative, you don't feel motivated, you don't really want to do much. I always force myself to do at least three videos a day though, no matter what. And, and even if they're awful, even if they're the worst creativity the corporate chase has ever put out, I'm at least putting it out there because that is one thing that like I've made a promise to myself. Now there's going to be content sometimes where I'm like getting ready to post it. And like right before I hit post, I'm like, this is terrible. This is terrible. But sometimes I've had posts like that that end up going viral. So I would say like my biggest things about staying like motivated and creative is when I have those creative moments today, frankly, I'm going to go make 10, 12 videos. I may only post five or six of them, you know, over the next course or the next couple of weeks, but I'm going to take advantage of that time and that creativity and those juices because I'm like, this is the time where I got to take advantage of it because next Wednesday I might be bogged down with work, 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 work. And I might not, you know, wake up in the morning saying like, damn, I want to, you know, record a video or two. I'm going to have these in the bank. That way I could just go ahead and put them out there and still not feel like I'm missing out on anything. My number one priority is work right now because, you know, like my day job, just because it is the breadwinner. So that always takes precedent. But I mean, I record my TikToks really like on the weekends. And then I also do them in the mornings. Scooter and I get up pretty early in the morning. We go for a nice long walk. I get him nice and tired for the morning. Um, and then he'll sleep usually until like noon or 1230, which is great, which gives me a lot of time before, you know, 730, eight o'clock to just like sit down and make some content. And the mornings are the most creative times for me personally. So I like to get up and, you know, shower, make my breakfast, get my day started, get my coffee. And then I sit down at my desk and that's when I start like creating some content for the week. And again, if I'm not feeling all too creative, I'll just scroll and see what else other people are doing, you know, find some sounds, try out some things that I have like written in some notes that I've wanted to try out. But yeah, I mean, like the biggest thing really was like just being nice to myself because at the beginning, at the beginning, and this was really goes back to like when I was podcasting, because when I first started podcasting, I started taking hiatuses. 
three month breaks, four month breaks, five month breaks, almost a year break because like it just becomes tiring. And I realized like you can't sustain this every day when you have a full time job. But what you can do is set yourself up for success by maybe recording five or six, you know, in one week. And then that's a month's worth of content if you only post one a week, you know, and thinking of it in that way. So I took the learnings, the corporate word, you know, the learnings from what I had done in the past and taking that to what I do today. And I'm having a blast with it. I mean, I, and I love making TikToks and TikToks are, so, it's so much easier to make a TikTok than it is like a, a podcast episode, you know, like yeah, going back and listening to an hour's worth of content versus like seven seconds is um, very different, but that's how I stay really focused on it. I would say too, is just because I have so much fun. And I guess the other thing too, is like my friends support it. So anytime I'm out somewhere and it's one of the posting times that I'm about to post, I'm like, hold up, I got to post this real quickly. And they're like, all right, bro, go do your thing. That support's king. And it, my fiance is one of my biggest supporters. She's actually the intro and outro on my podcast. And I did that on purpose because oh, it's a little bit of, of my motivation. When I hear every episode, I'm like, there she is. And it kind of gets me to be able to listen to myself for 40 minutes. Uh, but I it, love that. Yeah. I, something that it just kind of came to me. I was like, I want you to do the intro and outro. I don't want to hire someone to do it. Like, I want you to do it. And it was really cute, actually. I loved it. Something you said was really great, which was be nice to yourself. And this is something I constantly have to tell myself because Lord knows I am my biggest critic, like, oh my gosh, and doesn't even, that doesn't even do it justice. But the biggest thing that kind of jarred me out of being that huge critic was, it was one of my business coaches. I've had a lot of business coaches. It's something that I'm very, very passionate about, something I do personally. They brought up a great point. They said, how do you react to a client or a friend that's had a hard day? Do you beat them up? Do you force them to do more? No, you don't. You listen, you give them the best advice that you don't even take yourself. And you usually give them time. Like, why don't you do that for yourself? And that was huge for me. That really like broke it open for me. I was like, whoa. So anytime I'm now like harsh on myself, I try to put myself in that mind space of like, you wouldn't do this to your friends. Why are you doing it to yourself? You wouldn't do this to your worst enemy even. Why are you doing this to yourself? You know, that's king. I, I really, really like want to circle that and start that. Like if you walk away with anything from this episode, it's that the corporate chase is hilarious. And also that being nice to yourself really is important. And also something you said, which is great, is capitalizing on creativity. That's huge, especially I have ADHD. So I, when I get into like a bog down, same with you, like when I get bogged down, I get really bogged down because I get hyper-focused on why I'm bogged down, not how to climb out. So it's so king like today, and I feel it on you too today. Like today's a creativity day, and I need to really capitalize on that. So I really appreciate you giving those takes because this has been really, really valuable. I want to give you a second just for your own followers, for the folks that are your supporters, like, is there anything in general that you want them to know, want them to take away from this episode or just want to share with them? Yeah. I mean, first off, Cleo, this has been so much fun. Like this has been the best Saturday morning I've had in a very long time. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. For for the people who are just listening to this, just in general, I want to say thank you first and foremost that, you know, I, as a guy who is a corporate professional who now has a platform, like I feel so much like a normal person, but I also feel so empowered and so invigorated by everybody that I get to talk to. And for me, it's truly about helping others. I don't TikTok, I don't podcast, I don't do anything of that sort to become famous or rich. Like that's never been my MO. It's never been my MO, but my MO has always been helping others. And I hope that anybody who listens to this can understand, like we all go through this crap, like imposter syndrome, anxiety, like feeling down on ourselves and things of that sort. And the best thing that I've ever done is reach out to people who are close to me who I didn't frankly think were going to support me and ended up being my biggest supporters. My family members, my friends, who I've always been really tight with, who I've never really had like very deep conversations with sometimes. 
you know, sometimes I had to realize having a deep conversation with one friend meant that maybe they just weren't as close to me as I thought they were. But that was also just as invigorating to try to take that same conversation, have it with a different friend and see their willingness to have a conversation with me and their investment and who I am as a person. And I think that was the biggest thing for me was realizing that in my life, I've won a lot. Like I told you, I've, I've always been a winner. So I always felt like people liked me for what I did. I never felt like people really liked me for who I am. And I've now realized that I do have really close friends because of who I am, not because I've won, not because I've been successful, not because I've, you know, grown this following on TikTok and Instagram. That's not it. It's because they like chase the person. And I love myself now because of it. I love all of my friends because of it. And I love all the people who support me because of it. Because I think, well, not just because of that. I love everybody who supports me regardless. But I think we all need to find those that small group of people who will support you through thick and thin. And they're going to be the ones who help you flourish into whatever it is that you want to be because you can become what you want. And, and I think you truly can. You just got to put in that time, that effort. And then you also got to have that supportive group around you. So that's what I would leave everybody with today. And then I guess that last quote that I also told you with, it's amazing what a team would can accomplish when no one cares who gets the credit. That is like the number one quote that I try to live my entire life by because I think it is so important. And I think if you want to win and whatever it is that you can, team over me all day, all day. I think this is a fantastic place to leave off. So all of us continue to support the corporate chase on Instagram and TikTok. Be sure to subscribe to his newsletter. I know I did this morning. Chase, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I've had a blast. Thank you for listening to the Unstucked podcast. Visit us at unstucked.com and follow us on TikTok at Unstucked.